Welcome to a life-changing encounter with the Word of God presented to you by Rev. Bright Nkrumah, the senior pastor at the Kodesh Family Church, Bronx North. He is an anointed pastor and teacher of the Word of God, affecting many lives. Now, get ready to be transformed by this message. And let us pray. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful, we are thankful. Lord, we thank you for your love, for your kindness, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your presence. Holy Spirit, we pray that you lead us and guide us into the word of truth. We glorify your name. We adore you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of God. We welcome your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands together. And please be seated. Wonderful. Beautiful. Well, today is a conclusion of our series on David's principles of success. David's principles of success. We have talked about these principles for several weeks and today we want to conclude that message. David's principles of success. And I want to encourage you to go over the messages, listen to these messages. I believe that um, God will speak to you and you will experience something. You will experience a change and a transformation. Sometimes when you come to church, you feel you have heard a message. But when you listen to it, you'll be amazed to hear something that you did not hear in church. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you, go over the series and listen to them over and over. There's one particular message that may be a blessing to you. If you come across that message, just keep listening to it and God will bless you. Hallelujah. Wonderful. So this afternoon, we want to continue with these principles and the next principle. So we are learning from David these wonderful principles that made him such a successful person, a successful follower of God, a successful leader, a successful king. Hallelujah. And the next principle that we are looking at is the principle of being quick to see and admit mistakes. Principle of being quick to see and admit mistakes. Hallelujah. Amen. So you will notice that it is quite interesting how God describes David as a man after his own heart. A man after his own heart. And you and I know that David, if we were to describe him, will be far from that kind of description. David was far from being a perfect man. Hallelujah. Now... If, for all we know about David, 
God still called him a man after his own heart, then could it be that God actually was not looking for perfection? Hallelujah. Then perhaps God is not looking for perfection in us. Amen. It appears that what makes us great in the sight of God is the manner in which we handle our mistakes. The manner with which we deal with our mistakes. How we approach our mistakes. Hallelujah. Almost every person in the Bible made some mistakes one way or the other. Almost everyone in the Bible. If you look in the Bible from the very beginning, from Adam all the way down to Peter, whoever you will come across, you will notice that they did something wrong. The only person that the Bible says there was no wrong in him was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God himself. But everyone, you will realize that it's all full of mistakes. The Bible is replete with stories of impeachable offenses. Yet God always was merciful to his children. God has always been merciful to his children. Hallelujah. When Saul made a mistake, he was confronted by his pastor, Pastor Samuel. And he brought to his attention the mistake he had made. And we notice how Saul argued with the prophet Samuel. This is how Saul handled his mistake. This is how he dealt with his mistake. He insisted that he had not done anything wrong. Hallelujah. God is not interested in so much of the mistake that you have made, but how you handle the mistake. Amen. God knows the gravity of the mistake, but he does not weigh that. To God, every sin is sin. Whether you disobey your parents or you are a murderer, it's all sin. Hallelujah. For instance, you may take the disobedience as a very light sin compared to someone who is a murderer. Are you listening? But that is in the human sight and in the human eyes. And so when you go to court... For instance, they will give you a grave punishment for being a murderer compared to that you disobeyed your parents. That they will send you home and say, go and solve it. This is a family issue. Go and solve it. It's no big deal. You will not go to jail for that. But to God, every sin is sin. Are you listening? So here is Samuel. If you are here is Saul. First Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 19. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 19. Do you remember when God had instructed Saul to go and destroy the Amalekites? God gives specific instruction. We cannot read that story right now. But he gives specific instruction. And he detailed out the instruction to destroy everyone and everything of the Amalekites. Young and old, he mentioned it, man or woman, child, every single one. All that they have, destroy them. Amen. And God gave an explanation why they needed to be destroyed. You know, and I was amazed when I read that explanation, the reason why 
God wanted the Amalekites to be destroyed. And the reason, do you know what the reason was? The reason why God wanted the Amalekites to be destroyed was because when the people of Israel left Egypt, just imagine, when they left Egypt and they were going to the promised land, all along the way, there were people, there were other nations, and the people of Amalekites gave them hard time. They fought them. Whereas God was leading them. So, in effect, they were fighting God. Now, listen. This is many years after. Look at the time that the people of Israel left Egypt. Through Joshua, through the judges. And they have gone through several judges, different kinds of problems, different issues. And now... They are in the kingship or the kingdom era where now they have the first king. And so this is many years ago. And the Amalekites perhaps may have thought this is over. Now what I'm trying to point out to you is this. Sometimes when you are dealing with God and you have not received a recompense or punishment, don't think it is nothing. Sometimes we take things for granted and we think that we can get away with it and we are not afraid. And we go on and go on not having any remorse, not having any fear. And sometimes we think that perhaps there's not even God. If there was God, this could not be happening. But God, he says, I've remembered the people of Amalekites, what they did to the Israelites. Go and destroy all of them. For God, a thousand years can be like a day to him. Are you listening? So here is God giving instructions to Saul to go and destroy all of them. And Saul went to the wall and came back. And then God met Samuel and said, go to Saul. I have regretted to have made him a king. That I instructed him and he disobeyed my commandments. And so Samuel in this scripture, 1 Samuel 15 and verse 19, Samuel confronts Saul with that problem. He says, wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil. Spoil means goodies that you gather booties from a war. When you go to war, and then you take their belongings. That's the spoil. He says, Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? That means you took interest in the spoil, the, the goods of the people. You took them. And listen, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Look at that. He said, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. Do you see? God gave specific instructions. It was not just the way he's sending you, but things to also do. He says, I've gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag 
the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Is that true? No. He has not utterly destroyed the Amalekites. To utterly destroy the Amalekites means I have completely destroyed the Amalekites. But Agag was an Amalek. Or he's an Amalekite. He is the king of the Amalek. Hallelujah. He says, but I brought the king. He's only one, only one. I have done everything that God told me, except this guy that I didn't kill. He says, but the people took of the spoil, not him. He was the one who received the instructions. Are you listening? He says, but the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. He says, the people took the good part of the sheep and the oxen that they should have utterly destroyed as well. But they, they, they saved it because they want to give an offering to the Lord. Is that the instruction God gave to him? No. He says, and someone said, had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. You know, this scripture, we say it all the time. To obey is better than sacrifice and so on. But it is really deep. It is really deep that you actually do exactly what God asks you to do. It is really deep. As simple as it may be, God is interested in you doing exactly what he asks you to do. Exactly. No other way. And so if God says, do not forsake the assembling of the brethren, he means it. So for you to have any other reason to forsake that, to God, it is against his word. As simple as it may be, or whatever reason that you may have. Are you listening to me? God is very particular with his word. He's very, very particular, very specific with his word. And he makes it very simple. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? The church is very quiet. I'm not sure if um, I'm talking to another group or... Okay, I have the um, Zoom people, so I, I'm preaching to Zoomers, are you with me? Yes. If you show your face, it will be interesting also. He says, had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. You see, you know, there are certain sins that we weigh lightly. And so God is showing us that these sins, they are all heavy. They are very heavy. To be a rebellious person, you are like a, you, are, you have the sin of a witchcraft. You see, you will not like to be associated with witchcraft. But you are stubborn. You are stubborn. We have instructed you on this issue many times, but you are not doing it. You are like a witchcraft. You are like a, you are like a wizard. 
You are a witch. You practice witchcraft. And if you don't practice witchcraft, your sin is equated to the sin of witchcraft. That means if you practice witchcraft, you are the same as being stubborn. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. I mean, some of you, you agree, you say, as for me, I'm very stubborn. I am very stubborn. Even my parents know that I'm very stubborn. You see. It says that your sin is just like an idolatry. That you are an idol worshiper if you are stubborn. That is serious. And the reason is because thou hast rejected what? What? The word of the Lord. This is how all these problems have come. Because thou had rejected the word of the Lord. He had also rejected thee from being king. Amen. Amen. Then he didn't stop. He argued. He's arguing that he had done the right thing. If you continue to read. He's arguing that he had done the right thing. And the evidence is there. Clearly. And he's still denying wrongdoing. Are you listening? So God is not interested more of the sin that you have committed, but how you are handling the sin. How you are dealing with the sin. Now, let's compare this to David, for instance. When David was confronted by his pastor, Pastor Nathan, he immediately said, I have sinned. Immediately, without discussion, without arguing, he said, it is me, I have sinned. He admitted his wrongdoing, although no one could have even proved it. No one. For what David did with Bathsheba, I mean, if you do something like that and you are caught, that means you, you two, you are some way. But David and Bathsheba, whatever they did, no one could have proved it. Are you listening to me? No one could have proved it. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 9. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 9. He says, this is when his pastor also came. Same way. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? It's not the same thing. The same preaching from the different pastors. Thou hast killed Uriah and hast taken his wife to be thy wife. Hallelujah. And hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. This is the, this is the accusation. This is the sin. Evidence, clear evidence. And David knows that this is true. There is no doubt about it. So now verse 13, look at verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord, has, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Let me tell you. When God says that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. He means it. He wants to see how you deal with the sin. He's a truthful God. 
He wants you to acknowledge that he is a loving God. He is a forgiving God. He wants you to know that aspect of him. That when you confess your sins, he will forgive you. Amen. He will forgive you. Sometimes when we come to a meeting and we are praying for forgiveness of sins, some of you don't take that prayer seriously at all. But God really values that prayer. He, that prayer is a life-saving prayer. That prayer can add life to you. He says, the Lord has put away thy sin and thou shall not die. Your sin will not kill you. Saul died. Saul lost his throne and he died because of sin that he did not acknowledge. God is not interested in the gravity of the sin, but how we deal with the sin. Hallelujah. How we handle the sin. Amen. So here we notice that there are two types of people that are even found in our own everyday life. You have people who are like David, who see and admit their sin and their faults and work with it and leave it to God. And there are others who argue and defend and justify, give reasons why they have committed the sin. Amen. Now, there's something that you should remember. That failure to admit your faults is a manifestation of pride and stubbornness. Failure to admit your faults, your mistakes, when it is clear to you that you have committed this sin or you have made this mistake and you fail to acknowledge it, is a sign of pride in you and stubbornness in you. And the Bible says that kind of thing is just like witchcraft activity. Amen. And the Bible says God does not like proud people. God does not like the proud. He resists James chapter 4 and verse 6. Wherefore he said he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. But the proud, the Bible says, God resists. It says he resists the proud. But he gives more grace to the humble. More grace to the humble. It means that acknowledging your faults and admitting that I am wrong, you receive more grace. It makes you a humble person and it makes you due grace. It makes you qualify for grace of God and not just little grace, because it takes humility to admit your fault. Amen. Some of you, it's very difficult to say, I'm sorry. Very difficult. Very difficult to say, I'm sorry. Very difficult to say, I am wrong. Very difficult. But God is saying that admitting your fault is something that opens your life to more grace, because it shows humility in you. Clap your hands together for Jesus. The next principle is principle of being merciful. Principle of being merciful. We are learning from David. Principle of being merciful. Do you see why David was a successful person? Compare David and Saul and see why David will not receive more grace and favor and blessing. 
Amen. Principle of being merciful. Second Samuel chapter 9 and verse number 1. This was another area where we see David exhibiting great qualities as a human being. First, second Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1. He says, and David said, is there yet any that is left of this house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? For Jonathan's sake. David was asking, is there anyone that I can be kind to? Anyone that I can show kindness to? Hallelujah. He's looking for someone to bless. God has blessed him. God has done him wonderfully. And he thought of being a blessing to someone. Hallelujah. David remembered where he had come from. He remembered how he was a shepherd boy, how he was not counted, how his, even his own father did not consider him anything. His own father did not see him as a great person or potential great person. His own brothers did not see him as any great person. So David remembers that for where he is, it took God. Are you listening? And so he thought of being a blessing to someone. When God blesses you, he intends that you be a blessing to another person. Amen. Some of you, God has blessed you, and you don't even want people to know that you are blessed. You don't want people to know that you are blessed. Amen. David remembered where he had come from. How many of us remember what God has done for us? How many of us? How many of us remember what God has done for us? We say that the Lord has been good to us. The Lord has been good to us. That's all we say. The Lord has been good to us. You don't even say even what the Lord has done for us. Oh, God has been good to us. God has been good to us. And also, how many of you remember the vessels through whom God blesses you? How many of you remember? The vessel through whom God blesses you. Because God will always bless you through someone. God will always do greatness in your life through someone. Are you listening? God will bless you through someone. When God wanted to bless David, he used Saul. He used Saul. It was Saul who welcomed David to the palace. There was no way David would have qualified to be in the palace. But Saul sent to David's father, Jesse he says, I like your son. I like your boy. Let him come. Pack with him. Bring his belongings. Let him come and live with me. I like him. Just David being liked by Saul, David is now in the royal palace. Amen. Some of us do not remember the vessels through whom God blesses us. We do not acknowledge the vessel that God used to bless you. You do not acknowledge that God bless you through someone. Someone giving you some advice, some direction, someone opening some door to you. Someone hosting you. Hallelujah. Some of you, you have become what you have become 
because of where God placed you. Some of you, even the thought of going to school was because of where God placed you. God placed you in an environment where you were encouraged, where you saw others who have gone to school, others who have done it. And then it made you, it motivated you to do it. To do it. Are you listening to me? Someone encouraging you. I have encouraged many people, you know, even when they feel they can't do it. When they feel they can't do it, I say, you can do it. You write an exam, you fail. I say, you write it again. You can do it. You can do it. Sometimes someone giving you this, go and see this person. Go and meet with this person. This person will give you books to study. Give, this person will give you free things. All of those to enhance you. And you have to remember that if you pray to God, he's going to use vessels to bless you. If you pray to God, he's going to use vessels to bless you. Are you listening? Oh, yes. Even when he wants to bless you with money, he has to use Gentiles. You use Gentiles and take from the Gentiles and give you. God does not print money. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Some of you, you don't remember even to say thank you to certain people. Sometimes you can't even buy a card. Your boss who, I mean, you know you didn't qualify. You did not qualify. They say you need this, you need that before you qualify. But he says, I like you. Because you prayed. And God touched your boss's heart. And he says, I like you. You can't even Christmas time buy a card to say thank you. You think that people always have to give to you. You, you don't give anything. They have to give you a job. They have to give you promotion. They have to give you the overtime. They have to give you this. Some of you, you will never be a driver if you were not in this church. You would never would have been a driver. We let people teach you how to drive, take you for driving school, guide you, do this, do this, do that. And today you have a license, you have a car, you are driving around as if no one helped you to get to that place. No one helped you. Even the questions to the driving test. Struggling. And people helping you. Amen. But David called on an old friend's son and showed him great kindness. David never forgot the love of and the kindness of Jonathan. He never forgot. He never forgot. Jonathan loved David. And he showed it to him. It's not the type that I love you, I love you. He made him feel loved. Amen. First Samuel chapter 18 and verse 3. First Samuel 18 and verse 3. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David. Listen, we are learning from David why he was such a successful person. Why he was a man that God calls a man after my heart. Remembrance is a great virtue that you have to have. 
You cannot forget the good that has been done to you. You cannot overlook it. You cannot. Amen. God is very particular about that. That you remember. Hallelujah. That is why he took the people of Israel through wilderness. Just to teach them remembrance. To teach them to remember when you have eaten and you have filled. That you remember that it is the Lord your God who took you and brought you this far. Hallelujah. It says, and Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. He loved him as he loved himself. Look at that. He says, Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe. Look at this. You see, Jonathan, you see, you, you are talking about real love. Jonathan, he was the prince. He was the prince. And usually, you will see that when someone, a young person like your age, do you see, come to your father's house, and then he's now become the new favor. Everyone loves him. And he's not just that they just ordinarily love him. He proves to be loved. You can see that he's greater than you. Obviously, you become jealous. You become jealous. Even little kids, when another child comes to their house and the parents are now throwing their toys to that new kid, they get angry. They get angry. Even their own siblings that are just born, when they are getting a little more attention than them, they get angry. But Jonathan, this is someone who his father has brought to the house. Amen. His father has brought to the house and now he has become a new favor. But he loved him. He was not jealous of him. And look, when you say, love your neighbor as thyself, love your neighbor as thyself, when you love someone as yourself, you like the person to be like you. You like the person to experience what you want to experience. Don't tell me Jonathan did not like to be a royal prince and robe, crown and eating at the king's table. That is what he wanted. But someone that he loved, he wanted that person to feel the same way. So he says, Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. That means he took off whatever he ma made him a prince and gave to this David guy. That is love. That is love. That is love. That is someone who wants to see you going up. That is someone who rejoices because you are doing well. That is someone who is not jealous. When someone is talking to you and telling you, you can do the same thing that I'm doing. You can earn the same amount of money as I'm earning. You can do the same course. You can go to that school and become this. You can do more than that. That is a person who has love for you. That is a person who is interested in your upbringing and your well-being. Amen. Jonathan gave his robe and saw to David to where? There was a time that Jonathan put his own life on the line for David. When David, when David was now um, Saul's enemy, Saul wanted to kill David, it was Jonathan who had his father's plans. He had his father's 
plans and arrangements how he was going to kill David. And he, being the father, the son of the father, he went behind him and told this new friend, this is new brother, that he called him. Tell him how my father is planning to kill you. Take off. And David remembered all these things. David remembered that if it wasn't for Jonathan, he would have died a premature death. If it wasn't for Jonathan, he would not be a king today. He would have been killed by Saul. Hallelujah. So now, 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 6. When now David wants to do good to someone, he says, now when Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, who had become crippled because I told you last time, someone dropped him, unfortunately. Thank your mother and your father who held you that you never fell. You never fell. Amen. They didn't leave you with babysitters who would have dropped you. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come, verse, the son of Saul was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. The guy was afraid because everyone thought that Saul's house is now like an enemy of David. And he was afraid. And verse 7, David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. Because he remembers. He says, I will show you kindness. This Mephibosheth, now he's a cripple, he's not regarded, poor. He, I mean, even the servant who was supposed to take care of him, he has also left him with someone in Lodibar, somewhere. And he was a nobody. So David said, I will, he says, I will do kindness for Jonathan's sake, for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. 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 Because of you, because of David now, this guy's life is changed completely from being a cripple that no one cares for because Saul's house is now very unpopular and Saul's house is now become like an enemy of Israel. Now this Mephibosheth has now risen from poverty. Now he has lands. He's a rich man. And not only that, he's now eating at the king's table. Sitting at the king's table, not just for supper, not just for breakfast, but three meals every time the king sits down to eat, Mephibosheth is also sitting down with his legs like that on the table. Crowned in royal robes. I mean, his life is changed. His life is changed because someone has remembrance. Someone remembers that it is because of you that I am where I am. It is because of your father that I am where I am. I remember that and I will do you good. I will do you good. If it wasn't for you, 
I wouldn't have the job that I have. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gone to school. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be married today. You know, last, time, last Friday we had a meeting and I was telling the people, I said, the church is very important in your life. The church is so important in your life. Therefore, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what happens, remember what the church has been to you. Remember what God has used the church to do for you. You have to remember. You have to sit down and remember. God does not like people who don't remember. God does not like people who easily forget the good that has been done for them. When, you, when yourself comes and you are angry, just remember. Just remember that if it wasn't for this church, I wouldn't be where I am. If it wasn't for, even if the church has done one thing for you, it's enough for you to just calm down. Amen. He says, I will surely do you, show thee kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore all the land of the, your father Saul. All the land. And you will eat at my table continually. Hallelujah. That is remembrance. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that showing mercy is a key to finding favor and understanding from God. Hallelujah. It, 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 when you show mercy, the Bible says you obtain mercy. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. It says, they that showeth mercy are the ones who receive mercy. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. When you are merciful, you obtain mercy. You obtain mercy. Amen. If you want the mercy of God in your lifetime, learn to be merciful. And one of the keys in helping us to be merciful people is to remember what we ourselves have been through. When you remember what you have been through, you will become a merciful person. But sometimes when people have gone through certain difficulty, they want others to go through worse situations. Bishop talks about this guy who was in medical school, experienced wicked professors, lecturers who were mean and wicked. And when he finished, he says he's going to be a lecturer. And he will also show people. I mean, look at this. But when you remember what you went through, then it will make you kind and merciful to other people. Say amen. amen. Does somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Otherwise, you will be a mean, wicked, unreasonable person if you don't remember what you have been through. If you don't remember. Amen. Sometimes people are not merciful. You find a job that they are hiring. They are hiring people. They have hired you. They have finished hiring you. You can't take a second job. And then they are hiring people that you can bring your brother or your sister. But you feel that when they go, they come to also drive a car like me. When they go, they are going to have this like me. When they come, they are going to have this. And then you don't tell anyone. You don't tell anyone, and you alone, you are there. Many of you have jobs that are hiring, but you have not told anyone. But God bless the ones who send me messages and say, Reverend, my job, they're looking for someone like this. They're looking for someone. Is there anyone in the church who needs this? Is there anyone in the church who needs that? 
God bless Reverend Patrick. When he was here in New York, every time he's sending me messages, Reverend, is there anyone in your church who needs a job? Bring the person. My job, they have, even his own type of position, he's willing that someone can also occupy that. That is a person who remembers. Amen. Amen. David did not forget. Hallelujah. He did not forget what it was like to be under. He called for those below and tried to lift them up to where he was. That is why he raised up Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, to sit at his table. He didn't qualify, but he made him to be that great. Say amen. amen. Is it a good message? Then clap your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. It is time for you to remember who you were when you were also down and below. It is time for you to remember. God will bless you as you help others to come to where you are. Hallelujah. God will always bless you. Don't think that God will bring people there and then you will go under. Just that mindset that you want people to come up. God will always lift you up. Because God knows that when he lifts you up, you lift his people up. How do you think God is going to bless his people? God will bless his people with people who are blessed. So God is interested in blessing you, so you bring people along. That people's prayers are answered, and they will trust and believe in God. But when God wants to bless someone, and you are sitting on that blessing, you make that person doubt God. You make that person feel that prayers are not answered. Hallelujah. Who knows the prayers that Mephibosheth was praying? Nobody knows. Only God knows. Only God knows that Mephibosheth was there and all of a sudden it occurred to David to do him good. Who knows what prayers he's praying? Who knows the prayer that someone is praying and the blessing or the answer depends on you. And God is waiting for the day that you say, I remember how it was like when I was in her position. God is waiting for that day. Amen. Look at our bishop. God blesses him with powerful anointing. And he writes. He writes different books. He's preaching. He has made his preaching. No. I mean, the caliber of his anointing right now. I mean, many great men of God, their messages, they are for sale. They sell them. But he has made his books free. Because he wants everyone to be where he was, where he is. Say amen. amen. The last principle. Should I give you one more principle before we go? The principle of being religious. What time is it? Okay, let me just brush through this. The principle of being religious. David had the principle of being religious. David was a very religious person. Hallelujah. He did not leave spiritual things to the prophets and the pastors alone. David considered himself a spiritual person. Although he was a king, his heart was in the spiritual matters. Hallelujah. Amen. You can see the type of person he was from the Psalms that he wrote. Look at the Psalms he wrote. Powerful Psalms. Worshipping God. Personal worship that many of you are blessed to use now to worship God. David spoke of living in the temple of God. He thought of staying in church for long hours. He thought that the best place to be was in church. 
Psalm 84, verse 10. He says, For a day in thy court is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. That was David. His desire for the house of God. David was a religious person. David loved God. Are you surprised David was such a great person? He loved God, truly. It wasn't anyone to now conjure him, come this week. You see, you have come this week. I'm excited to see a lot of you. We prayed about you, by the way. We did. So let it be that you are not here by accident, even to hear the messages that you are hearing. It's not by chance. God intends that you be here. God wants you to be here. Say amen. Amen. David loved God. In Psalm 121 verse 1, he says, I was glad. Say, I was glad. Say, I was glad. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It wasn't a drunk. Ah, that means you people, you are too much. You trouble people. Let me come one. Let me come one. But David said, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad. I felt like not going today. But when someone invited me, I was glad. I felt like today was a rainy day. They say it was going to rain and I wasn't coming to church. But I was glad that you called me to come. I was glad. That was David. I was glad. Say amen. amen. Those of you who I call, say amen. amen. Say, I was glad that you called me. I was glad. Are you not glad that you are in the house of the Lord? Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. There is no place like the house of God. There is no place like the house of God. The things that you are hearing, no school will teach you that. No school. How many schools, all of you who have degrees and that, what school has taught you to be a merciful person or to have remembrance? Do they teach you that in nursing school, even though you take care of sick people? David organized the transfer of the ark, the ark of the covenant to be brought to Jerusalem. It was very important to him that these things were done. These things were, meant a lot to David. Even though he was a king. Even though he had everything. It wasn't like he had to do this so God would bless him. He had been blessed. But he was interested to see the ark being brought to the Jerusalem. And he danced when the ark was coming. Joyfully. He was happy. Hallelujah. It was important to him to make God a central figure in his life. Listen, it's important and it's vital for success to make God a central figure in your life. To make God a central figure in your life. To put God in the center of everything that you do. There's a song like that. You know, that Jesus is the center. Is the center of your life. That means that, you see, have you seen the a bicycle tie before. You see the spokes of a bicycle. You see how there is a middle. There are several spokes that come from the center of the bicycle. And all these spokes, they come from the center. 
that is how God should be in your life. That God should be at the center and every spoke that comes from you, your job, your school, your, your money, your, 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 your health, your this, everything, everything should come from that center. Everything. Make God the center of your life. Hallelujah. Make God the center of your life. David made God the center of his life. David wanted the temple to be built in honor of God. He wanted to build a church for God. Have a desire like that. Have a desire. Recently, on flow, by the way, I'll have to give an announcement on flow. Remind me after the service. Recently on flow, I mean, a group of our church members, they have built a temple. They have built a church. And it was displayed on flow. Just last, I have a photograph of it. I think they all are aware, you know. Powerful. And there's another group also who have built a church. Let something like this be, be associated with you. Let it be associated with you. That you, I mean, this church is, you, you, you were part of the builders. Be a religious person, truthfully. Amen. David was a religious leader. He was a, a king and a very religious person. How many politicians and people of power think about building a church? They don't. How many will say they would like to stay in church for long periods? If you see any great leader, a great politician going to church, they are going so that they to be registered that they are Christians, so that they get the Christian votes. Of course, there are some true faithful ones, not many. People with wealth and influence often fight against the church. They lift themselves up as proud and arrogant elements capable of destroying the church. Look, when you prosper, when you do well, don't fight the church. When life is well with you, don't fight the church. Be for the church. Amen. Help the church. Build the church. Do something in the church. Don't let prosperity take you away from doing something in the church. Or greatness take you away. That today you are too great to do this. You are too big to do that. Don't let it be. Hallelujah. Learn a lesson from David. His heart was in the church. His vision was to build God a grand temple. This is what it means to be a religious person. Hallelujah. No matter what your profession is, you can make God the center of your activities. No matter what your profession is, no matter what you do, you can be a lawyer and still make God the center of your activities. You can be a doctor and still make God the center of your activities. Hallelujah. God is not blind. He will see and he will reward you because you love him. Hallelujah. Psalm 91 tells us that because you have set your love on God, he will remember you in your time of trouble. In your time of trouble, God will always remember you. If God is the center of your life, it means that your troubles are hooked to that spoke. It's, it's hooked to the center. And God will pull you back when you are in trouble, in times of trouble. He says that he will be a cover up with your head. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? He is the horn of your salvation. When you are crying, know that God is hearing you. 
God left the people of Amalek, Amalek for many years. They thought, God does not forget. He does not forget. He was just there. He said, I've remembered these Amalekites. Go and destroy them. God will not forget your good. No matter what situation you are in, don't think God has forsaken you. Because you have set your heart upon him, he will remember you in the time of your trouble. He will remember you. He will remember you. He will never let you. He has said it. He said, I will never, never, ever, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. He will not. He will not. Amen. Amen. God will lift you up and establish you. Let Jesus be the center of your life. And you will enjoy the blessings of Jehovah. Hallelujah. So remember that no, no matter who you are, no matter what your life situation is, no matter how successful, you can always make God the center of your life. Say amen. amen. You see, one thing that you have to understand is this. Not many people succeed in this life. Not many people. Many people appear to be successful, but they are not successful. Trust me. Many people appear to be successful, they are not successful. When I mean successful, it's not that someone drives a nice car or someone lives in a nice home. People have this, but they are not successful. Successful is acquiring all of these things and having God in you. And having the peace of God in you. And having the joy of God in you. Many people have these things, but they are not happy. Are you listening to me? That is why, you see, there are not many successful people. That is the bottom line. There are not many successful people in this life. And so, that is why it is wise to notice and study the few people that are successful. And David is one of such persons. It is wise to learn from them and to tap into their secrets. The things that they did that made them successful. The things that they, 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 they experienced and how they handled those experiences. Learn from them. If you are going to be successful, the fastest and easiest way to be successful and prosperous is to copy from someone who has been successful. That is the easiest way. To copy. Don't practice with your life. Don't, don't, don't learn from your mistakes. And what I mean is don't make the mistakes you personally and then learn from it. Rather, avoid the mistake by learning from someone else's mistake. Does it make sense? Or you don't understand what I'm saying? What is the, what is the how long are you going to live that you are going to make so many mistakes and then begin to learn from them. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6.12 teaches us to follow those who inherit the promises of God. What they did to inherit the promises of God. That is the same way that you are going to. Bible says these things are written for our examples. Are you listening? And David was one such person. Hallelujah. So my prayer is that you will experience success as you follow the principles that guided David into success. Clap your hands together for the Lord and rise up to your feet.
Father, we are thankful and grateful. Thank you, Lord, for the great truths that you have revealed to us. We give you praise. We give you honor. Thank you for giving us such a great example to learn from the life of David. We thank you, Lord, that you have exposed us to all such great truths. We pray, Lord, that we will live by these principles that guided David into success. We will live by these principles that led David to become a man after your heart in spite of all his mistakes, in spite of all the setbacks, in spite of his low beginning, in spite of where he came from. Oh God, he had such great principles that guided him and made him such a great person. We thank you. We bless you. We give you honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now with all eyes closed and every head bow, I want to give everyone that is here, you are listening to me, you are on Zoom. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. If that is your prayer, you want to receive Christ as your Savior, wherever you are, lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. You are online, you are watching with us, you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want to give you this opportunity to receive Christ in your life. And I, I want everyone else to join this prayer and say this prayer with me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Please forgive me of my sins. Please wash me with your blood. Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Be my Lord, be my master, and be my savior. Please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. We believe you have been blessed with this powerful message. Come worship with us at the Kodesh Family Church located at 1810 Randall Avenue, Bronx, New York at 2 p.m. every Sunday. God bless you.